What's up all, Aaron, but not that Aaron here to tell you about Sifpop Writer's Room. For the past several years, there have been a growing amount of writers for Sifpop.com providing best ever challenges, movie reviews, themes, legacies, connections, and so much more. Sifpop Writer's Room is where that all comes together, giving a voice to those words that you read. And on the show, every week is excellent, getting to chat such a wide variety of movies with a wide variety of movie lovers, and I'm really having a lot of fun with the show, and I just think that you would too. So check out Sifpop Writer's Room wherever you listen to your podcast, and we'll see you over there. Just remember to knock first. At Sifpop. We're your movie friends. But are friends really friends? If you don't know them. So grab a popcorn. And head over to our row. So we can chat movies. Like friends do. There's always room. For more movie friends. So sit back. Relax. And enjoy the show. Welcome. 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 To the writer's room. Hello and welcome to Sif Pop Writer's Room. I'm your host Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And today I'm joined by Sif Pop editor Robert. Hello. No uh, movie quote this week? I, it, just doesn't, it just doesn't seem right with this movie. <laughs> it doesn't. And it's not a very dialogue-driven movie as well. That, uh, that too. It's, I mean, it's, most, it's mostly grunts and laughter, but uh, we'll get there. Um, <laughs> we write for yeah. SifPop.com. We do movie reviews, best ever challenges, and other interesting movie-related articles. Make sure to go check out the website SifPop.com to keep up with all that uh, here pretty soon. I've got a review coming out for uh, the This Is Us series finale, and then as soon as Under the Banner of Heaven wraps. So I'm excited about those things. Under the Banner of Heaven, by the way, is stellar, and everybody should be watching. I know I mentioned that last week. So, <laughs> uh, But yeah, I wanted to plug those. Uh, so those will be up relatively soon. Uh, and then uh, on the show, on the podcast, we'll talk about uh, coming attraction. Uh, we got Top Gun Maverick and Bob's Burgers movie coming out this week. Uh, so we'll give our thoughts on those before they release. And then uh, we'll move on to the SIF topic where we'll talk about a potential goat. Uh, come and see a very highly rated movie that I've been very excited to uh, have a reason to see. Uh, and so I did. <laughs> and then we'll explore the B plot. Uh, we'll answer a question. Uh, Typically, we'll answer your question, but for this week, we have something special. We will be uh, picking movies to go in a Twitter poll um, that will that will select the goats that we'll be doing from July to December, uh, and then we'll uh, ex- do uh, the spinoff, which is just a quick recommend or warn from each one of us, and uh, we'll wrap up the show there. But first, uh, let's get a chance to know our writer this week. Robert, you're on every month. Um, so am. how about, uh, well, and this month, twice a month, so... Uh-huh. Uh, so I thought, uh, for better or for worse, <laughs> for better, or for worse, for richer, or for poor. <laughs> Interesting. I didn't know that was the agreement with this podcast till death do us part. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be very careful not to say two specific words throughout the rest of this. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I have here four categories and I want to hear uh, which of these uh, categories, or I want to hear your ranking of in order of what these mean to you and in terms of importance and how excited you are to see a film. Um, so mm-hmm. the categories are the plot, uh, the director, the actors in the film, or the studio. Um, kind of which in order uh, of most important to least important are these to you uh, and, and a little bit why. Do you want to list the, the things? So you said plot, director, actors, and studio. Did you say that already? Yep. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I was pulling up a list just to... Oh, my goodness. Great start. I was pulling up a list to try to help myself think through this question. Um, and I was like, is he going to list them for the listeners? And now I look like the one with the foot in my mouth. Um, yeah, plot, director, actors, and studio. Yeah. So uh, for the most part, this one 
will depend. Um, because like if I see, you know, I don't know, uh, a 24 is, is doing a movie. It's like, all right. then the studio is the most important thing to me. Or, you know, if I see, uh, Andrew Garfield's in a movie and I'm like, Oh, the actor is the most important thing to me because he can do anything and I'll watch it. Except um, when Andrew Garfield's in any, yeah, then of course that <laughs> they're tied. Um, and then it winds up being mediocre, but <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I didn't um, see it. I, I think I, I still don't even know what I think about that. I think I've seen it like <laughs> two and a half times. Um, we're talking about Under the Silver Lake, if you didn't know. Um, but generally, oh, I, th- I was. I thought Mainstream was the one. No, he, that wasn't a twenty-four. I don't know oh. what that was. All right, we'll talk that about two different neon. things that probably still both applicable. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mainstream, I actually liked more than most people. Yeah, uh, but I still saw that it was very messy. Um, let's say I'll, let's say director, plot, actors, studio from most to least. Okay. Um, and that's generally apart from, you know, any of those qualifications. Sure. Yeah. I mean, obviously there's going to be wild cards. Obviously this isn't like the top definitive, all that, but yeah, just in terms of, yeah, yeah because Go ahead. unless it's a new director, like a good example that just came to mind is Michael Sarnowski with pig. It's like, mm-hmm. I wasn't on the look out for the next Sarnowski movie, but now I am. Um, but like, if I see any of these big name directors or even like a director that I've enjoyed a lot of their movies, uh, they're the, that's what I'm looking for the most out of these four things, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and then plot isn't always a huge deal to me, unless it's something that just doesn't interest me. Um, because I will, I, I can see value in a lot of different stories and that's why we're movie lovers, you know? Um, yeah. And unless, you know, you get horrible actors, which you don't really see a lot in, you know, mainstream produced movies, uh, people who are just downright terrible. Yeah, I mean, unless it's produced by Michael Bay. But... <laughs> hey, Yaya and, and Jake Gyllenhaal. And, uh, uh, I mean, I'm trying to reference Transformers, but yeah. Um, yeah they're they're, they're, they're high class caliber actors in Ambulance. Yeah. And then, like I said, unless it's A24 then or something like that than the studio I could care less about. Yeah, I'm going to rank these in terms of uh, I'll have plot on the highest and then I'll have director and then I'll have studio and then I'll have actors at the very bottom. Um, and it's it's only for the reason that um, a studio would influence me to, to see a film before an actor's only pretty much on the instance of A24. Uh, as mentioned, uh, if, if something has A24, I'm very likely going to go see it. Um, you know, because A24 either makes stuff that's incredible or terrible. Um, there's mm-hmm. no middle ground. And uh, mo- for the most part, it's edible. And uh, uh, so, like, if I see A24 on something, that immediate means, like, all right, I at least trust this enough that I should go see this soon. And, uh, um, so that that will, like, put it above, uh, excite me more than, like, actors. Just because, like, I don't know, it just seems like every movie now is an ensemble and when you just like like when they were announcing the cast for don't look up and house of gucci and all that and they were just like in this person and nolan's oppenheimer coming up yeah then knives out too knives out too like all of these all these casts like and this person and this person and this person i'm like all right so everybody's gonna have five minutes of screen time cool um or you're just saying these people because this person's in it for a cameo and you want their name on the billboard or whatever um, and I look, I like me, my ensemble movies. I love on, I love knives out. I really like, don't look up and, uh, you know, I love oceans 11 as well. Um, but, um, uh, but yeah, it's just, you know, you can, you can have, the, this is how I feel about directors and actors is that, um, 
it doesn't matter if I've never heard of them. They still could be amazing. Like, remember when nobody yeah. knew who Tom Holland was and then he wound up being great? Uh, or the only thing we knew Tom Holland was was from that um, that sing-along video where he dressed up as Rihanna and did the Umbrella song from Lip Sync That Battle. was after Spider-Man, wasn't it? I don't know. Because that was on The Tonight Show. I thought it was on a show called Lip Sync Battle. Yeah, that was spawned from The Tonight okay. Show. All right. Look, I don't know. Because Jimmy Fallon doesn't stuff. know how to do substance of any kind. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's okay. I like I like his style. Um Anyway, just either way, like remember when like there's there's always like uh, somebody had to start from somewhere, right? And so yeah, um, I mean even, even like Zendaya and uh, you know I mentioned Tom Holland recently. I mean when Andrew Garfield was cast as Spider Man, I mean he had been in Social Network, and I think that was the only thing that I'd known. Uh, that was about it. Yeah, that and Never Let Me Go, which wasn't even very big. Yeah, and when and when Jesse Eisenberg was cast in Social Network, I mean everybody was like that guy, like. Okay, I mean, I guess like, but he's not really a serious actor because all he had done was like Adventureland and Zombieland and any other movie that ends. <laughs> uh, but no, but and, and like he's good in those roles. But like, I think that's what we saw him as, and then he wound up being like, oh yeah, he can also play this sociopath really well. Yeah, and then they tried to do it again in Justice League, and it didn't work. But um, yes, it did. <laughs> so anyway, the um, either way, like actors are, you can have bad performances from good actors. You can have. Uh, new actors you've never heard come in and just steal the show. Um, you can have renaissances. Like, like speaking of Pig, like mm-hmm. remember when everybody was over Nick Cage, and then all of a sudden Pig, and then Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent recently, and like we're we're in the Cage Renaissance now. Uh, I th- I still think he's going to do all those bad movies, but I think he's going to have a considerably higher ratio than he has the last. Let's see. Well, he's out of debt, he said. So I don't yeah, know if he's going to do the bad movies anymore. Well, he still has fun doing them, like. Um, True, but I there was a I think it was on Vanity Fair maybe there was a long profile on him. He said he was doing it for a paycheck, but he never phoned any of them in. He gave them his all. Yeah, I so think that, I think that I don't was know if those, he's like, still going to do them for a paycheck. He asked the web's most searched questions about him because I think I saw that. Video. Yeah, and then to well, me, it was a profile article, but yeah. Okay, um, I must have seen the video version then. <laughs> when, when they're doing press tours, they answer the same question over and over. So yeah, yeah. So um, so anyway, like to, to, so again, to me, like actors are just. Like I, I won't get excited about actors because you know th- there's always uh, or I will get excited about actors, but a no namer is almost more exciting than uh, than somebody that is established. I mean, I guess take Licorice Pizza for example. Like the best part of that movie are you know Alana Hank, Cooper, Harris, so Hoffman, Hoffman. Dang it, I knew I knew I was gonna mess it up. Uh, <laughs> like they're, they're the you know they're the the biggest delights that come out of that movie. So that's exciting, and I think everybody knew. Be, they're children of famous people. They were, yeah, they were already band. famous. Well, Ham right. is a band. band, but yeah, yeah. Um, so, anyway, um, and director again is is just like if a director. This is kind of in the instance of if a director has done something before. Like I'm typically not excited about. Uh, it's hard to get excited about new directors unless they're doing something that's bold and ambitious and exciting, like Whiplash or uh, like I guess like Memento for Nolan. Uh, like it, it, you, know, you see a trailer or preview for something like that and you're like oh yeah all right let's go uh, and then you watch something like that and you're like that's incredible what else is this guy doing and then you're just on board for everything he does uh he or she does um and then uh but to me plot is just always going to be the most important i mean I, I care mostly about what the movie is about uh, and i guess a plot is sort of a vague modifier for just in general what the movie is about like uh, there are definitely movies that don't have plots but they're all about like creating a tone or creating a theme or 
just trying to capture a moment and uh and that's fine too i, l- I lump all that together. but just what the movie is about is always going to be the most um so yeah that would be the order i would raise plot director studio cool. nice well, uh, let's get a chance to promote some of your stuff. Robert, where do you want to send people? People that have already heard some of your opinions and uh, want to hear more of your thoughts. As usual, just go to Twitter, which is uh, at underscore Rob's thoughts. Anything I want people to see will be tweeted out. There we go. Check out Robert's uh, stuff at Rob's thoughts. Um, random question for the day. Uh, I forgot to pull it up. So we're just going with the first one that comes up on this website. Have you ever broken a bone? No, I have not. No, you're not a very ambitious, adventurous person. Uh, no, I guess not. <laughs> I mean, I've played sports my whole life, and I'm a fairly active person, or at least I was. Um, but yeah, I've never broken a bone, never gotten hurt doing I mean, something. Be- baseball's not typically your bone-breaking sport. It's no. It's I like also played more t- basketball. Probably. And you yeah. play more basketball. Interesting. I guess I don't know how tall you are because <laughs> I always <laughs> see you sitting down. I'm right. I'm exactly six feet. So interesting. Yeah. At a school well, I, with not a ton of tall people, you know, I was <laughs> tall enough to <laughs> be decent. Well, and you can have team. you know like smaller basketball players that are just more speed centric. You know, like sure. Allen Iverson or whatnot. Yeah. I don't know modern basketball players. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've uh, always been quicker than fast, so that's kind of what what's worked for me. Cool. Um, yeah, I broke my left wrist twice. Um, one of them was uh, when I was like six and I was, you know, wrestling with my siblings and I got like kicked off of a couch, propelled into a piano. Um, <laughs> and then the other one was like a uh, cartoon. I know. Right. Uh, and then the other one was uh, we went snowboarding uh, it, it when there wasn't enough like snow on the ground. Um, mm. But we were just eager to get out there and do something that we had this hill that we went to frequently. And it starts off with like this really steep, really quick um, you know, drop. And then it kind of levels out and goes pretty much 45 degree angle for the rest of the hill. Um, and at the bottom of this very first dip was a, uh, a patch of ice. So because there wasn't a lot of snow on the ground. So I just go immediately down, slip on a patch of ice and break my wrist. Um, and so I went in the Ouch. truck and cried for a little bit. And then, uh, and, but of course I was just with my older brother and, and my older sister and they were like, yeah, um, I'm not leaving. We just got here, even though we lived five <laughs> minutes away. So I cried it out and then I went back and did more. <laughs> Thankfully then, didn't make it worse. I hope. I don't know. Uh, and then I broke my collarbone, um, in high school. Oh, in a different, <laughs> in a different I went back occurrence. and did more than broke my collarbone later. Yeah, no, I was at a friend's house and I'd like just gotten there and they were doing some things in the front yard. And you know, those like little like plastic bike ramps that you can buy at like Kmart uh, that yeah. are terrible quality. Yeah. Well, I had this friend that had this like bike with like 22 inch wheels and he said I should jump it. And I said, okay, because why not? Uh, but I hesitate because I'm scared of heights and jumps and things that could potentially harm me. And uh, <laughs> So I go on this ramp and just like the way that it was described to me, because obviously I didn't know what was going on, but I just, I stopped pedaling at some point, which is apparently what you're not supposed to do when <laughs> doing a bike ramp. And apparently it's what started off was the way that I was described to it from my friends was you went from riding the bike to the bike riding you. And then I only landed on grass, but I landed hard enough that I broke my collarbone. And my friend that owned the bike was convinced that I had only dislocated my shoulder. Mm. And so he was trying to pop it back into place. 
Luckily, I think the collarbone was already a clean break, so we weren't really doing anything. Oh, man. <laughs> so I had a surgery to fix that one. That's the most pain I've ever felt in my entire life. Oh, my gosh. I'm just imagining <laughs> <laughs> him trying to shove your shoulder back into place and not the right thing to do. I mean, yeah, it didn't hurt, though. I mean, it hurt because of what was going on because I broke my collarbone. But right. like, again, since it was already a clean break, it wasn't like it was a fracture that then tore into a break or... Or anything like that. It was it was just moving. I'm just like, this isn't doing anything. I'm pretty <laughs> sure this isn't what was happening. But no, it's just the most pain. Because the two solutions to fixing the collarbone are either you wear essentially book back straps. And it just kind of holds it in place. And you wear those for a while. While it naturally heals. Or they do surgery, which I had. And then they cut you open and stick a metal bar on your collarbone. And put a bunch of screws in it. Mm-hmm. To make it stay together. And that hurts. So <laughs> that's oh. my stories. Yeah, see, there's my thing, is what you said, you're scared of anything that could potentially cause you harm, and I feel like I'm that, but more. So like, <laughs> but I don't, I'll still do it at some yeah. point. <laughs> I'll get yeah, I don't do more than, than uh, basketball or going hiking, you know? Yeah, well, and I'm, I don't have an athletic body, so <laughs> I mm. do the things that can, you know, just hurt me. <laughs> like, my friends would longboard and skateboard down the hill in college, and Whoa. I would... Uh, Take the scooter <laughs> because yeah. it had handles. Yeah, and, oh, and brakes. brakes. Yeah. yeah, I have a scooter in the back of my trunk. Nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. One time I was at a friend's house and there was this big. It, it was an S curve and it was like this super deep slant. And uh, we're riding around the neighborhood and all of a sudden we get to that curve and uh, just as I start to go down it, I realize that the bike that I'm riding, which is not my bike, it's his one of his, um, doesn't have any brakes. So. <laughs> I was scared for my life, and I, some, nothing happened. So okay, good. <laughs> What'd you do? Just drive around until you could jump off? I, I think it was yeah. I just drove around, and then when you get to the bottom of the curve, and I slowed down a little bit. I think I just like got into somebody's yard and slowed down in the grass. But yeah, yeah, it was it was either there was no brakes or the brakes were like very very worn, so they were like le- like not very effective at all. And yeah. then I just like held it. It was one of the two. Either way, uh, I went very, very fast and I bet. into oncoming traffic, potential oncoming traffic, which there was none. Whew. All right. Story time over. Now that we're done reliving our traumas. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about a couple of movies coming out this week. Uh, Top Gun Maverick and Bob's Burgers. Uh, which one do you want to start with, Robert? Uh, I don't. It doesn't really matter to me. So let's say Top Gun because I see that first. Okay. I actually so, don't have my own notes today, so I'm flying from the seat of my pants. Interesting. Uh, so Top Gun Maverick, uh, this is the sequel to Top Gun coming out. It's kind of a new generation, and uh, it's Tom Cruise returning to come teach them. And uh, Tom Cruise being timely, because Top Gun, uh, the Mission Impossible trailer came. Um, yes. But uh, I'm I think surprised. it was intentional. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised they didn't just attach that to this movie. I mean, I'm sure they will, but like. That's what I thought was going to happen. Right. Why not? Especially, you know, do or maybe make it like an IMAX exclusive. Well, it leaked the other day, like two nights ago, it leaked online. So they probably were like, it's just going to keep leaking. So we might as well. That's true. Uh, So we have Tom Cruise returning, uh, Jennifer Connelly as well. uh, Miles Teller, Val Kilmer as well. Um, Yeah, Miles Teller being like the newest uh, or the the biggest lead of. um, Let's see. John Hamm, of course. uh, Ed Harris. Couple other people, I'm sure. A lot of faces that you might know. Uh, 
written by Christopher McQuarrie and a couple others and uh, directed by Joseph Kaczynski did Only the Brave and Oblivion uh, and Tron Legacy. That was the one he was most. So um, Top Gun Maverick. Uh, Robert, uh, what do you think about this movie? If nothing is keeping you there except for your only your free will, uh, when do you think you would catch this? Uh, would it be opening weekend? Would you wait for a matinee which you can rent it at home? Wait till it's on a streaming service you already pay for, or are you not interested? Um, if it wasn't for all the reviews coming out earlier or early, I would have said matinee, but because literally every review and reaction I've seen has been, uh, raving about how great it is, I'm going to bump it up to opening weekend. Cool. Uh, I'm going to say opening weekend as well, and I haven't seen the original Top Gun, um, in forever. Uh, like, that would be a good pick for, like, the nostalgia week for me. And, uh, it's, it's one of those that, um, like, I want to watch before seeing this movie again. Um, I'm sure I won't like it, um, because I definitely know, like, how people feel about it and why they don't like it. I'm like, oh yeah, that's also all the reasons that I would not like this in a few... People are like, yeah, it's very lost, and it was a very a moment of its time, and hasn't really stood the test of time well. Right. Um, but uh, but I, I, I'm kind of like you. I probably would have been in matinee, but uh, I since I saw Doctor Strange in IMAX, there was like a 10 minute preview of this movie in IMAX, and it just looked awesome. Um, I don't like. I'm gonna go try to see it as soon as I can um, in a premium format. I'm not sure if it'll be IMAX or box because i think that would also be i'm gonna try to see it as soon as i can in some sort of premium so i'm with you um and yeah certainly the reviews are are helping right people are saying best action movie since mission impossible fallout and i'm like okay fine i'll go see it yeah well and i mean kaczynski too i mean he only the brave isn't a visual movie uh, i never saw oblivion uh but Me like either. tron I don't legacy think i've seen any of his movies I've not seen Tron Legacy, uh, but like I've seen clips of it, and like obviously it's visually stunning. So uh, yeah, it's it makes sense, right, <laughs> that you right. would want a guy like this, and especially seeing. I mean, you can tell there's a lot of uh, Christopher McQuarrie um, or even just, uh, uh, you know any of the Mission Impossible franchise in general, like technical work being done. I mean, we've seen this trailer a million times. I'm so overseeing it, but. Uh, because it's been in theaters for two and a half years, but yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's one of those, yeah, it's so, so so it's one of those that like I'm sick of seeing the trailer. I'm ready to finally see it, but like you can, you've always been able to tell like, oh, this guy is like, especially with the action sequences, like these look like they're going to be shot really well, uh, which makes me want to see an IMAX. So. And didn't maybe I'm making this up, but is Tom Cruise actually flying the planes or <laughs> like, he's got to at least to some degree, right? Because that's the only reason he makes movies anymore is well, to like learn a new crazy life skill. Yeah, and that's and that yeah right. That's his thing, and I yeah. I can't imagine they have him doing everything, but you got to think he does a good chunk of it, right? I At least would think he does most, if not all. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I obviously can't confirm, but um, I guess we can Google it. Uh, does yeah. Tom Cruise <laughs> do his fly jets? There we go. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he flies a P-51 in the movie, and he flies helicopters. He could do just about anything in an airplane, yeah. said Jerry Bruckheimer. So, right, I knew he did the, the helicopter chase in Mission Impossible in Fallout. But also by saying, like, he flies a P-51 in the movie, like, it, to what extent? Um, sure. He, wasn't, he apparently wasn't allowed to fly an F-18 fighter jet. 
Uh, but he You're just saying letters and numbers to I me. Know. I don't know. <laughs> so it looks like uh, a P-51 is a propeller-driven plane. The one, Yeah, so there's one fighter jet that the Navy refused to let Tom Cruise fly. I don't, I don't, I don't know what it is, but yeah, look, it, look, you're right. I think we're right. He's probably doing most. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen the original Top Gun and uh, probably more recently than you, it sounds like um, it. Yeah. It's fine. It's whatever. I think I gave it like three or three and a half stars, um, but it wasn't incredible. wasn't, didn't blow my mind. I didn't see it early enough for it to be a formative movie or anything like that. So I wasn't, you know, I wasn't like, yeah, new Top Gun. I got to see this. But like we said, uh, modern day Tom Cruise is literally just, let's see how I can blow people's minds in the newest way possible. And, and I'm totally okay with that. Oh, yeah. I'm not. Yeah. So and because of that is why I'm like, you know what? Maybe this will have, have some value. Maybe it will be worth watching. Well, and he's also working with some of the most talented directors out there yeah. as well. He's not just working with, you know, like. I don't know, take like The Mummy, like for example, like he's not just working whoever directed that now. But like Doug Lyman with Edge of Tomorrow and, you know, Kaczynski with with this one and Macquarie, obviously, for a bunch of stuff. With all of the impossible. Yeah, or even like Brad Bird for Ghost Protocol. Like he's he's working with some really like top tier directors. Uh, J.J. Abrams for Mission Impossible 3, too. Um, So, yeah, and there's a... sequel to edit tomorrow has been and he's supposed to be so again with doug lyman again uh, so like again he's he's working with some elon musk here directors with his spacex project yeah unfortunately <laughs> uh but but yeah again like it's like you you put this co- combination of as long yeah. as tom cruise is just doing this and having fun and working with like high class directors like this is that situation where that's all i need um, right yeah you know, I don't care about the plot. I just need to know that Tom Cruise is doing something fun with right. So he, a director is, that can enhance that. Yeah, this is exactly where like the the qualification came in in the first question. It's like it's Tom Cruise doing an action movie. I don't care what the plot is. You know, I don't care if he. It's the stupidest, most convoluted stuff ever. He's probably going to be doing some crazy stuff, and I want to see it on a giant screen with amazing sound. Yeah, I would just have one question. You yeah. said Val Kilmer is in this one. Yes. Isn't his health, like, isn't he in very poor health and unable to act anymore? Um, I think it's more like a cameo, if I were to guess. I mean, I know okay. there's a there's a picture of him on the wall. Um, so I, I honestly don't know. I've not heard anything like that. I don't, I, I I'm, don't typically, like, get into that kind of stuff. Um, but, yeah, I'm guessing it's more of a cameo. But because he was in the first one, he's closer to top billing, um, at least on IMG. But... Uh, or maybe the fact that he has... I know they show the picture of him in the trailer. So uh, like maybe they're considering that. I would doubt it. Um, or it could be archive footage. Um, Kilmer flashbacks has, and stuff like that. He has throat cancer. Or he did have throat cancer for two years. Uh, reduced his voice to a rasp and when, rendered him short of breath. And he plugs an electric voice box in his trachea, huh. according to Wikipedia. And he well, and so, eats through a feeding tube. So that's why that's why I was wow, like very just curious. Yeah, no, that's uh, I didn't know that. Thanks for bringing that up. But I mean, he is in two other announced projects: Mark Twain and Mary Baker Eddy and Riptide, which is. Uh, and he was in another movie earlier this year, Canyon Dale Muerto, and The Birthday Cake from last year. So a lot, I mean, a lot of movies that I haven't heard. Uh, so it looks like he's not done. But I mean, maybe he has to adjust. Yeah. Um, or maybe 
there has to be like post-production work done on his voice or something. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it looks like it looks like he's not retired. Uh, he probably just took fewer projects, though. He had like six things come out. And, um, right. Versus like this is the only thing this year. So yeah. So yeah, good point. But who knows the extent that he'll be in. My guess is it's probably more of a camp. Sure. Yeah, I was just curious. That was all. Anyway. Yeah. Um, all right. So Bob's Burgers movie. Uh, this is also coming out this week in theaters. Um, the Belchers try to save the restaurant from closing as a sinkhole forms in front of it while the kids try to solve a mystery that could save their family's restaurant. Uh, Robert, what's your experience with this show? Never seen an episode. Never seen a second. Wow. Um, so yeah, I, I was watching this and then it was back in the days when there was only like one or two streaming services and, uh, and they weren't owned by studios. So it was just Netflix. And so I started to watch Bob's burgers like at, right as it got off. So I watched, I sort of kind of binged all that was available on Netflix when I was in college. Um, and then got to, I got to the end and then it swapped, sw- switched over to Hulu and I didn't have Hulu for the longest time. So I think I've seen the first four seasons. Um, but there's like eight or nine out now. And so I'm definitely way behind. Uh, but it's, it's a show that I enjoy. It's a show that I want to like get back into. It's a show that I want to, um, you know, pick back up, but, uh, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I would call myself of the show. Uh, and, uh, it's obviously going to be important because of the movie. Um, right. so given your history, even with none, uh, do you think you, uh, how soon do you think you would check this out? Uh, would you go opening weekend, wait for a matinee, would you go rent it at home? Wait till it's on a streaming service you already pay for, or are you just going to hold off and not see it? Yeah, nothing against the creators, the show itself or anything. I literally just have no experience and it's not very high on the list of shows to binge to get caught up. So mm-hmm. yeah, just not interested. Okay. I've unfortunately have nothing else to add to this <laughs> discussion. Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those that I'll I'll be I'll be a matinee. I mean, I, I really like the show. I'm interested to see how it'll ter- how it'll go into a movie format because I mean, aside from the Simpsons movie, have we really had any any other thing like this where there's like a long running animated show that I mean, obviously we've gotten things like Mac- Mask of the Phantasm from Batman, but I mean, like especially in terms of like comedy shows or anything like that. Yeah, I can't think of anything else. Like Family Guy has done the TV specials, like the Star Wars yeah. Family Guy. Well, they've but tried not, to get a theatrical. movie off the ground like three or four times. South Park, maybe. Have, did they have a theatrical movie? Oh, yeah. I mean, they had Bigger, Longer, and Uncut, and I think that was theatrical. So, um, yeah, and then they've done they've done more so just specials at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. And, they, and they've done a couple video games, really. I wouldn't be surprised if they... If they try to go back to, I guess that's a good one to bring up. I just, I'm, I'm curious with this format and I'm curious, like, will I have had to seen the last couple seasons of the show to get, it? I have a feeling not like the Simpsons movie is kind of just a long episode mm-hmm. that has no connection, no back ties and no long lasting effects on it. Um, but I, uh, yeah, I just don't know since I'm so unfamiliar with this world of Bob's Burgers, if I need to, I have a feeling that I won't need to. So I'm uh, probably like I'm interested in checking this out, but like in 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 terms of excitement, I'd probably go matinee. In terms of practicality, probably just whenever it's on. <laughs> my guess would be Hulu since it's Fox. Yeah. Hulu or Disney Plus, one of the two, um, is when I'll actually get around to seeing it, and that way I can also just hear people be like, "Yeah, it's it has nothing to do with the show other than the setting and characters." Uh, but. I like the idea of these in generals, but it's just like, I'm not going to go see a movie unless I'm watching the show. Um, right. Like I didn't say, I've still never seen Sopranos. So I didn't see many saints of Newark or right. you know, anything like that. Yeah. And even like, you know, 
So I think I'll, I'll, I'll go see like a Ted Lasso movie if they come out with one this yeah. summer. But like, you know, I'm not, you know, maybe, maybe if they made like a, like a sequel, like a movie version of WandaVision, I'd go see it. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, so you mean Doctor Strange 2? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, I'm, I'm, I'm typically not going to go see, even though I have a good feeling this will be standalone, but uh, maybe, maybe I'll see the movie and that will propel me to like get back into the show. Uh, that might be my, yeah. Um, well, if you're listening and you're into Bob's Burgers or you want to learn more about Bob's Burgers, go to sifpop.com a day or two after this very episode releases, and we'll have two different specialty articles about Bob's Burgers, one ranking the top 10 episodes and another of someone binging the show for the first time in pre- preparation for the movie. Nice. Good plug there, Robert. Yes. Yeah. There's my, uh, there's my input on Bob's Burgers. Yeah. I'm excited about those articles. I think it should be except to read them. Uh, all right. On that note, uh, let's move on. Uh, before we move on to the SIF topic, quick t- uh, time to shout out uh, Patreon. So Patreon exists for the this podcast, uh, Writer's Room. So patreon.com slash SIFPOPWR. Uh, uh, three different tiers, 5 10 and $20 a month, and different perks there. Go check that out if you're interested. And uh, thanks for even considering that. And uh, it just really helps out the show. Lots of good content on there if you enjoy. All right. Let's move on to the GOATS. Uh, segment the SIF topic uh, we're talking about come and see today this is a 1985 foreign film and um, you can catch it streaming on the Criterion channel if you wanted to check this movie out or you can buy a version I think the only physical media you can find is a Criterion um, so I was even reading some letterbox reviews after I watched the movie and some for, were from like two or three years ago and you know people had to pirate it or go to special uh, theater screenings of it before it was even released on Criterion so it's hmm. a fairly recent thing that it's even able to be streamed Interesting. On the Criterion channel, or bought, obviously. Well, and I believe there was a hot second that it was on HBO Max. Um, could be. I, be- uh, I could be wrong, but yeah. Uh, the synopsis is, after finding an old rifle, a young boy joins the Soviet resistance movement uh, against ruthless German forces and experiences the horror of World War II. Um, by the way, this is a, a Russian-made film. Uh, so it is foreign, it is subtitled, um, it is made for... I mean, it's made for everybody because it's a movie, but it's uh, like it's not a Hollywood film. So um, there's that. And that's OK. Um, we like we like all all different kinds of movies. Yes. A uh, little bit of history on why we would have picked this movie, a little bit of, of the legacy. This is an 8.4 on IMDb, which makes it the 103rd highest rated film of all time. It has a 4.6 on Letterboxd, which makes it the second highest film of all time at this point. It's currently second, uh, yeah. Yeah, I got to correct myself there. It was first before Parasite came out. Um, and then Parasite came out, and it's been number one since. And then it was even bumped down to third when Everything Ever All at Once initially came out. Came out, But this is above Everything Ever All at Once as the time of us recording it. And uh, this has a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, this is number 60 on Empire's 2008 list of 500 greatest movies of all time. This was on Channel's 4 list of 50 films to see before you die. 24 on Empire's 100 best films of world cinema. This was ranked 154 amongst critics and 30 among directors in sight and sounds polls of the greatest film ever made. Uh, this was submitted as a Soviet entry for foreign language film at the 58th Academy Award, but it was never accepted as a nominee. I thought it was hmm. um, so. Uh, so, like, this is the one that the that the Soviets decided to back, and uh, yeah, I I don't know, maybe maybe Cold War tension, maybe yeah, any sort of political tension just didn't want them to do it, or maybe just didn't have access to it. So I don't know. Uh, I'm sure there's a whole history and maybe there's stuff even on the criterion that I own that I'm missing, but 
but yeah, that's a little bit of a history of the film. I mean, obviously anything that's highly rated, this highly regarded on Rotten Tomatoes, Letterboxd, and IMDb, we're going to talk about yeah. uh, at some point. Um, so a little bit of history uh, with this film for you, or if you have no history, then kind of why you were excited to watch it. What do you think, Robert? Uh, yeah, it was the same reasons that you listed, just all the all the accolades that it has. And uh, if you can say number two on Letterboxd is an accolade. Um, and just like the word of I mouth. Do. Yeah, the word of mouth that I've heard from it. I think uh, Joseph wrote about it on Out of Market. Mm-hmm. One of his... He's done a good amount of those now. Uh, one of the one of them, I don't remember when, but and he raved about it on there. Talked about how great of a war film it is. So yeah, it was just I'd I'd never seen it before, so I was interested to check it out. And yeah, yeah. Uh, I same history. Um, I had seen that it was the highest rated movie on Letterboxd right about the time that I was like signing up for it, mm-hmm. and I was like, all right, so that should go on the watch list. Let's check this out. And during like the first time I bought Criterion's during the sale, I added it because i was like well it's the highest rated movie on letterbox so certainly uh that's that's going to be worth picking up because i do want to see it and this is the really the only way i can see it so uh you know i'll i'll pay the uh, 20 bucks or something like that to pick it up and uh and i did and that's how i watched it um i've been wanting to watch it for a while but it's kind of been one of those things uh, it's kind of a struggle for me to choose to watch some of these movies um outside of for the podcast just because like I know we're going to talk about it eventually, so I don't want to watch it because what if it's, let's say, the July pick? And it's like, oh, shoot, like then. <laughs> that, right, it's too far away to remember everything, but, uh, but you don't want to have to watch it again. Yeah, right. too recent and this is not a short it, right? movie. It's like two hours and 23 minutes. So uh, yeah. Yeah, we've certainly had longer on the show and we've certainly had shorter. But yeah, it's, um, it's yeah, I, I, I part of the reason, yeah, just as soon as starting this podcast, I, I don't watch goats anymore unless i've seen them before or unless it's like double the length of the kid and half the length of seven samurai (laughs) yeah pretty much (laughs) um so yeah it's the uh it's it's that struggle for me so it's been one of those i know we'll talk about it at some point no we'll talk about some point and here we are um okay so let's give our official ratings on come and see um robert the second highest movie rated on letterboxd do you like it, love it, hate it, dislike it, or think it's just okay? Well, I want to say regarding a movie like this, like, do you say you love Schindler's List or do you say Schindler's List is great and important, you know, because it's so difficult to watch that you, you know, like, I love Lord of the Rings because I love watching it, but like, I don't love going to watch Schindler's List, but I recognize it's one of the best movies I've ever seen. Um, I but feel like... on our, yeah. No, I, I feel like to me, I mean, I would say for in terms of this rating scale, I mean, I would say I love Schindler's List, but yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously yeah. a, a movie that's hard to watch, and um, I, I I love what it means, and I love mm-hmm. the technical aspects, and I love the story. Uh, it's obviously not a film I love to watch, um, so yeah, so I, I would say it just still applies the same to me because it's maybe just more of an emphasis on. You know, let's say I love come and see, then it'll be I love what this story means and right. yada yada yada. Yeah, I was just pointing out the semantics of it because yeah, because um, when I say I like come and see, it doesn't mean I liked you know I liked my experience, but uh, on this rating for the purposes of it, yeah, I'm in liked it. Okay, um, I'm really struggling with this one. Um, really struggling where I land. <sighs> Here's where I think I'm gonna go. I'm going to go on the high side of it's just okay. Oh, wow. And I so desperately wanted to be higher on this movie. And I do think that giving a rewatch at some point would would 
boosted a little bit. Uh, I just didn't really have a good experience. And I was talking with Robert a little bit before. I didn't really watch this under the best circumstances. So that probably impacts me a little bit. But honestly, like, I think the reasons for me not liking this movie that much um, is not because of the way that I watched it, but more so just the film. Um, yeah. So so let's get into it. Uh, let's, let's start with some of the positives. I love the camera work in this movie. Um, like, I love how when there's, like, motion, like, it follows in a way that we would, like, do shaky cam today, but it's not shaky. I mean, it's it's obviously not on a track because it's still a little bumpy, mm-hmm. but, like, I'm, I'm not confused. I'm not, I, I don't get, like, any sense of, like, oh, this is just supposed to be chaotic and hectic and not really know what go- what's going on. It's not born. Yeah, it's it's not the born. It's not Transformers. It's not, you know, a- any even even certain scenes in Dunkirk. Uh, mm-hmm. It's uh, it, it's 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 done really well where you can tell it's a handheld cam, but it's not um, it's I still can feel what's going on. I can feel the momentum and all that. And I just love the uh most of the shots in this movie, I would say, at least a good chunk of them, are the uh, just like a camera into a face of a person and seeing the way that they emote in response. I, I just I love the camera work in the movie. I think it's uh, it's really fitting for what what is going on. Um, I think it's it's also one of those they're tr- they're trying to emphasize um, a big part of what this movie is trying to do is trying to emphasize the, the humanity of war. I mean, really more so the lack of humanity. Um, humans but, in war yeah but yeah the, like the fact that these aren't just like faceless soldiers but the fact right. that these are real people so um so so i think that that kind of lays l- lends itself uh, really well to this i uh, uh I, just, I just i like the camera work uh, we'll start with positive so yeah um and what you, one thing that you didn't mention in the camera work is the the persistent close-ups of the main character's face um, I can't, I kept trying to pronounce his name, but I can't. It's like, it's like Floria. It's F L Y O R A. I can't do that sound. Fleora, I think, is the best I can do. Yeah. Um. Anyway, the main characters. Yeah, there's like lots of close-ups of his face. So it starts off with him being very, you know, uh, very naive and very unaware of what war really is, and he's just trying to dig up the guns in the on the beach with the other kid. Um, and then even. As he's like first brought into the army, and he's, uh, you know, they're taking that picture, that group picture. He's yeah. kind of got this happy-go-lucky face, and he's like, "Hey, I'm carrying my gun. This is this is what I wanted to do. This is fun. This is the exciting stuff that I've heard about." And then that's contrasted visually with what is actually going on in the war, and I think that's done really well. Um, it doesn't go, that doesn't last very long because he quickly realizes everything that war really is. Yeah. Um, and once that happens, that's when those close-ups are most effective because he's going from that, like, mom, just let me go. It's okay. I'll come home to, like, absolute loss of any hope or faith in anything. It's just like, this is all just hell. Um, and the split diopter in, in here is doing a lot of work, too. Um, particularly, it, it shows up a good amount, but my favorite use of it um, is... There's like a close-up of the main character's face on the left side of the screen at the very end. And on the other side, you see just another uh, another uh, young kid like he was at the beginning of the movie going off to war, realizing, yeah. hey, this is about to be the same cycle, same exact thing for this kid. So we can get into the ending more. But any potential hope, any sliver of hope that the ending might give um, 
I think is also taken away with that shot, which is to me the most effective one. So yeah, yeah like it, he, I'm agreeing with you. It's it's very visually effective. It's it's one of those you feel like the director or the writer, whoever, was really the first to make this movie almost like just saw like mass manufacturings of toy weapons and kids running around and playing with toy weapons, which by the way, is not just like a, a recent thing. I mean, people have mm-hmm. kids have been picking up sticks and using them as swords for forever. But, um, but yeah, the, it almost feels like somebody, whoever was the initial, is this based off of a book? Maybe. I, um, not that I know of. Yeah, I, we, I can think so. Um, but it, it's almost just feels like somebody picks up and, and just been like, we, we have, uh, taken away any sort of value in what it means for war. We've taken away like the the brutality of war, and so uh, we, you know, kids, kids running around playing with toy guns and having fun, and that's not what it actually is. And I don't want a generation of kids growing up to think that war is fun. So, like yeah. it, it just it feels like that kind of kid system. Through, so, um, and we'll you know we'll definitely talk about the ending a little bit more. But I just feel like part of this is again it could have been my viewing experience. And I'm really going to chalk it up more so to expectations um, about what this film is. I, I like the ending works. It just isn't quite as effective as I thought it was going to. Um, like, well, and that works on like the film's narrative as a whole. What works on the film's narr- narrative as a whole? Like, I, I mean, it, I mean that works. Uh, like, it, I mean it. It's pretty consistent, but it's it's not quite as like my expectation. Trying to figure out what this movie is when I first saw it was just, this is a movie that's just going to be brutal for two and a half hours. That's going to be a kid signs. isn't actually, I mean, I didn't even think the kid was going to be enlisted in war. I thought he was just going to be plucked off the streets and be like, here, you're old enough, have a gun yeah. fight for your life. And it was just going to be two and a half hours of just misery. And it is um, like for sure. Uh, but it, it's not anywhere near like the effect that I, the depth that I thought it was going to be. I mean, again, like by the time we get to the end, yeah, there's, there's, there's no hope. There's just complete despair and all that. I just, I guess I was expecting it to, to like feel much deeper than it wound up actually being. Uh, it, I, I totally going to chalk that to expectations. Uh, I just, uh, I, I was expecting this to be one of those movies that I just like leave and like have no hope in humanity mm. at all. Or um, yeah. And it, I expectations kill an experience for a movie. And uh, that's why I said, I think on a rewatch, I think this will serve better for me. So um, again, like it, it works, it works for what it's doing, but it's just like, um, there's, there's scenes in Schindler's list that, that I think give me that lack of hope. Um, or, you know, especially like most of that movie is trying to say, this is a hopeless situation. Um, and then the end is like, but there is hope because some people are good. Um, yeah, it's expectations killed, killed this movie for me. I don't know if you saw my letterboxd review for it last night, but I want to read that, um, because that, that's, here, I'll just read it. I just hit a roadblock every time I watch a war movie anymore. I always agree with the anti-war stance and appreciate the different ways each movie goes about it. But even with what many call the best movie of all time, it doesn't break any new ground in terms of the hatred I already have for war in its most fundamental state. So, so that's a lot of what I felt as well. <laughs> yeah, for me, I don't know if it was expectations of this movie in particular. It's just like, like I know... <laughs> There's, I've seen so many movies that show uh, how bad war is. And apart from actually going into war myself, which God forbid, I hope I never have to, um, I don't think there's anything else that's going to like add a new perspective about it media-wise or sure. uh, fictional media-wise. 
sure. um, news media could. Anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like, yeah, like I said, I just hit a roadblock. It's like, wow, this was terrible. Uh, the the uh, throwing everyone in the church scene was harrowing. But that was so that was the, the scene that I think is, it, again, hard to say that's my favorite of the film. But like <laughs> the most effective. That's that's the scene. I thought we were getting two and a half hours of that. And yeah. I was the most invested in that scene. I guess that's the best way to put it. I was the most invested there. This is the like, oh yeah, this is good stuff. Right. Um, <laughs> again, even that sounds wrong. No, I, I know what you mean though. Yeah. Th- that was the stuff that was the most engaging, the most entertaining, the most compelling, the most eyes glued to the screen that mm-hmm. I was. Um, and so, yeah, and it was just, it seemed like that was the only scene I could really attach to and invest in emotionally. Um, I guess then to the end of the movie, but because since that had already grabbed me, I wasn't grabbed until that scene though. So um, that scene had me thinking the, you know, I never want to hear the terms just following orders again, <laughs> you know, because yeah. they were enjoying the heck out of it. Those, yeah. And it's those soldiers. It, it, so here's, I want to go back to what you said about your letterbox review. Okay. Cause I totally agree with that. Um, it almost feels like I've seen so many things that are, you know, anti-war um, or at least like anti-brutality, things like that. And uh, uh, absolutely, like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on the side of stop, stop starting useless wars. Uh, right. Obviously, World War II wasn't useless. <laughs> that was that perhaps the most agreeable modern war. Yeah. Yeah, but but yeah, like take 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 something like Afghanistan for example, Vietnam, or, Afghanistan. I guess, war and terrorism, at least. Uh, just like yeah, like we definitely shouldn't have, shouldn't have been there as long as we were, in my opinion. Uh, but. Uh, but yeah, like I'm definitely like on that side of stop, stop being involved in useless wars and uh, like everybody. Um, and uh, you're right. It, it's, it, it feels like that's, uh, I've seen so much of it, but at the same time, like I want to respect this film for yeah, coming out the, when it did yeah. because I'm, I'm trying to think of some of my other favorite ones. Like Platoon is maybe the one that affects me the most mm-hmm. about like the, the horrors of war. Uh, Apocalypse Now as well. Um like those are both great examples. I mean, Vietnam, that's pretty much every movie made about Vietnam. Right. Yeah. Is, is that is, is why on earth did we do this? Uh, Deer Hunter but, is like that for me. Yeah. I can see that one okay. um, uh, yet, but, uh, but yeah, it's just, um, it's, it's that, um, Oh, like, like platoon is the most effective for me. Um, and, and I'm trying to think like platoon, when did platoon come out? Um, 1986 um apocalypse now was 79 okay so apocalypse now was before this movie and platoon was a year after so i was just i was gonna say i feel like this movie has to have effect on a lot of the stuff that we're probably more familiar with but um i guess not for those two i mean i'm sure apocalypse now had a good amount of effect on uh on it on come and see uh and i uh i don't like i I feel like the people that have made some probably some of the stuff that we're more alluding to uh, aside from platoon and apocalypse now like it, it, it a lot of it probably stems from this movie and you could tell there's there's a lot of like narrative ideas that are here i, I see a lot of belfast in this movie because it's about a young boy experiencing the horrors of war and not really knowing what's going on around him and then it's funny in a bad dangerous situation i was thinking jojo rabbit because that too yeah because uh the kid is you know kind of gung-ho about war at the beginning and it's like just yeah. treating it lightheartedly and is almost brainwashed the same way Jojo is. Yeah. I mean, I see, I see Jojo rabbit more as like a brainwashing movie, almost like a, like interesting the way that 
that Germans like were able to get children to be Nazi sympathizers. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, or I guess not sympathizers because yeah, but Nazi Nazis, just... Nazis. Yeah, <laughs> uh, like interesting just the ways that they were able to like get kids behind their cause. Right. Um, you know, and and obviously part of that is like I mean it, it's a parody, but it's also like. It, it's a parody based off of a lot of real things, you know, just the, the, the lies that they would make up about Jewish people. And yeah, it's so anyway, I just, I feel like a lot of, a lot of some of this stuff just stems in there, but I, I see a lot, I see a lot of, I, like I, I can see Belfast in this movie and I can mm-hmm. see yeah, now you're saying it, Jojo Rabbit. And, um, I can see, I, I can see Schindler's list in this movie. Um, like I can see a lot of the influences that this has. So again, this is kind of that like good, the bad and the ugly thing where it's just like, you can tell the influence and you can respect the movie. Absolutely. But it's, um, so I, I want to give it props for that. Um, right. sure. So, um, yeah, I, the other, my other positive was I to say certain scenes are really effective and I was going to specifically bring up the church scene. So, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, um so what was I about to say? Oh yeah. There was an alternate title. This is kind of what I wanted to talk about to the ending. Um, there was an alternate title, which apparently the director wanted to use, which they didn't use. I don't know why they ended up not using it. The director, uh, Elam Klimov, he wanted to call it kill Hitler. And that's, I heard about that. Yeah. That's the, the endings or the ending that I was alluding to where the main character keeps shooting his rifle at the picture of Hitler that he finds laying on the ground all the while. It's, basically rewinding through events of the war and Hitler's life all the way all the way back to when what is apparently the first true photo taken of Hitler as a child mm-hmm. um and he doesn't kill Hitler you know he or he kills the adult version but he right. can't kill the total idea of him right so i'm i've that's that's the one thing i have been thinking about since i watched the movie last night which is what exactly is it trying to say with him not not shooting that last bullet is it um and i don't i don't think there's a one correct interpretation of it um to me it's he sees himself the the kid sees himself and sees like look i we we came from the same place he was misguided i don't know it's it's just an interesting idea it's interesting thoughts yeah i i saw so i saw kind of a combination of yeah seeing his narrative be similar to to hitler's um and then, and then also just kind of like sort of a realization and under, understanding that um, that this war is a lot more than just Hitler. Um, so a lot more than mm. one bullet would be to, to take it. And, mm. um, but I mean, I think it's more so probably the reason he doesn't fire that last bullet um, is is just because of seeing himself reflected uh, essentially. But uh, but yeah, just just again, kind of like with that lack of despair, with that la- lack of hope. I mean. Like obviously Hitler was a bad dude, but like he convinced millions of other people to be at their worst. Like, right? Um, you know, like, and and even then, like, you, you take the church scene for example. Like, those people are just being bad because they can. Like, that's a good way to put it, though. Just convince them to be at their worst. It's not like he said, "Put these people in a church, burn it, and then laugh about it." It's he said, "Right, go through and cleanse this area." Right, and they. We took that uh, as permission, like you said, <laughs> to be at their worst. I like the way they put it. Yeah. So yeah, so it's just like I think there's just maybe an understanding again from his experience. Just uh, you know, he's just constantly encountered bad people throughout and throughout and throughout. Uh, yeah, I uh, yeah again, kind of that disparity, that lack of hope, because it 
war is not one person versus another person, but right. people fighting for ideals. And sometimes that can be, um, I guess, needed, you know, like the ally side of World War Two, And uh, like, I'm, that's why I'm not a total pacifist, because like sometimes violent action is needed. <laughs> like I'm, I'm anti any useless violence, senseless violence, but like there does come a point <laughs> where you need to put an end to things yeah. or somebody needs to put an end to things, but, uh, um, by force, but, um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's the, again, just the, the collective, this, this is much bigger than a, than a singular person. I think maybe is the best way to kind of summarize what I was, what I was trying to also say is kind of, I, I mean, obviously like I get the sense that he's feeling a million different things and that's why yeah. like we're supposed to feel a million different right. things. And so I don't think there is any one, but I think kind of the common thread would be that everybody probably should take away from this um, is at least sort of a kind of seeing his story reflected there. And uh, it's and also kind of followed by that shot that I mentioned where he looks over yeah. and sees the other kid too. Yeah. So it's like, and look I, at all of us kids causing this. <laughs> and I like the title this. of come and see more. Than I was going to say that too. It's yeah. A kill Hitler almost sounds. Um, it almost sounds like a, a made-for-TV, uh, you know, action romp starring a washed-up '80s or '90s action star. Like, right. It also feels like it can limit what you take out of the movie if you're right. If you have that title in mind, but it's just like come, and, come see. and see. Was come and see the horrors of war. Yeah. Like, uh, was yeah. It was almost just like just come watch and uh, right. yeah. And I I like the title "Come and See" significantly more than kill yeah. Hitler. I was going to say that as well, because you go from the kids, just like we talked about, you know, they're just playing, looking for the guns. They think it's so cool. You think this is so cool? Come right. and see what it actually is. Yeah, I, it's very fair. Um, I want to talk about the two things that didn't really work for me. Okay. Um, the biggest things, I, I guess. Uh, for, so first of all, and I don't know, again, filmmaking, film technique, but this was just a big issue for me throughout, um, was just the dubbing. Because um, this is a Russian-made film in spoken Russian and they're dubbing over like laughter and tears and it's like clearly dubbing and it's, it sounds like it doesn't fit what's going on. Like I'm thinking of the scene um, where Fiora um, encounters uh, trying to, she, she introduces herself as Rosie, but then she's something else. Glasha, uh, right? Glasha. Like the scene where she's crying in the woods after all the soldiers leave and then, and he's like crying in the marsh because everybody left him behind. Um, and then they kind of come up to each other and it's just like a bunch of crying and then a bunch of laughing, laughing. And it's like, all of it is dubbed and it, it clearly is. And it, it, again, I don't know filmmaking technique or whatnot, but I'm like, I I don't, I don't know why you had to dub that. And well, it's also, uh, he's going manic, you know, it's, he's trying to convince himself that his family's still alive in that point. Yeah. Isn't wanting to look like there's just, it's all very, um, not cerebral, but. Uh, some of it doesn't feel quite literal. It just, it's trying so, to make you feel mad, like crazy okay. mad, not angry mad. Okay. All right. So, so you're saying the dubbing is intentional to try to, to try to make us feel more of the confusion that he's feeling. I, I feel like that could definitely be an effect of it. <sighs> I'm willing to meet you halfway. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, if, all right, I'm willing to meet you halfway and say, all right, that, that's possible. Cause I, I just feel like the dubbing was like, pretty far off it was specifically laughter though or or crying um i guess i never noticed i guess i guess a lot of this movie's a lot of grunts and moans yeah um and i feel like all those were dubbed as well Um, it 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 bothered me but the sound is very important in the movie so yeah i think it's all very intentional in how it's 
And okay. Uh, well, and again, utilized. maybe a rewatch like that'll be that'll be better for me or kind of rewatch. seeing the full picture. Yeah, it'll it'll help. Yeah, as of right now, and again, I'm on the high side of okay, so I'm probably like probably three out of five stars. I mean, I like you know it's probably where I'm at because I kind of see the five star system as hate it would be one star, you know, mm-hmm. just like it would be two stars. Okay, is three stars. So like I'm kind of there. Um, I mean, I, I feel like this could easily. I I don't ever see myself seeing this as a five star. Probably not even a four and a half star, but I could see I could see going up to four star after another watch because may, like maybe kind of being able to see the picture or just again talking about it with you. Like I could certainly see trying to emphasize the like something's not quite right here by using the dub. Yeah. So okay, I'm willing to buy into that. But the the I mean the biggest thing too to to me was just like this narrative feels clunky. Um, so there, that was my biggest issue, which is too. my biggest problem. Yeah, I couldn't really connect to anything. It feels like a lot of small vignettes. That would have worked as shorts, uh, and then they were like, "Let's just throw them all into a movie." And then they're like, "All right, so so we have this kid that goes off to war, and then there's this camp. Uh, he's at this camp, and there's this like potential love interest, and then that ends in like five minutes." And I, I I'm not even sure what it, the the scene where the like commander of the camp. I, I guess I was say the scene where the commander of the camp comes in, and he's like, "Why didn't you shoot?" He's like, "Well, because I recognize you." He's like, "If anybody doesn't stop or say the password, shoot." But I guess it's again trying to break down any humanity in him. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, there we go. I answered my own question just by talking about it out loud. But uh, cause I was just like, that feels unnecessary in hindsight. And that was, that was a big moment in the first act. But, um, but yeah, it's like all of a sudden we get there and then like the girl's gone and like, we don't hear from her anymore. And then, uh, you know, and then we get to the vignette with um, like uh, the, the cow. And, uh, and it's like, again, this feels like as well, and then you get the one where he just encounters this group of people that then is is the church scene that we talk. It it just feels again like a lot of short stories that don't really connect in any meaningful way to me, and it was really just hard to either follow or get invested in the parts. Well, so it's simultaneously my biggest issue, but I also understand why it's used. Like it's all just very disorienting. It's mm-hmm. all supposed to be very subjective. Uh, you're supposed to be in the main character's feet or shoes. Um, you're supposed to understand his perspective. And to him, he's all of a sudden whisked away into something terrible and none of it makes sense. He doesn't understand why he's going where he's going. The power dynamics are totally different than he thought they were going to be. Uh, every, everything just feels off. Everything is wrong. Everything is bad. Everything is, you know, all this stuff. So he's just kind of coasting from one place to another, just kind of, uh, you know, like in a pinball machine being hit from one place to the next. Yeah. Uh, and just like a pinball machine, almost it's just like smacking him and he's just like getting thrown in this direction and that direction. And well, and I was wondering if they were trying to allude that this is taking place over a longer period of time than just weeks or months. And it's probably a combination of that and what you're talking about. Yeah. I, I think that's kind of the point too, is that it's just like you lose everything apart yeah. from the your purpose in this war, which is to you know go and cleanse all these villages, six hundred and twenty-eight of these villages. Um, so I I agree with you that it's just like it's very disorienting. <laughs> um, but that's the point of it. But at the same time, like it just didn't necessarily work for me in the sense of like you know making me feel like I was in this or understand the uh, the ramifications of what what's happening in this kid's life. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I, I'm sort of with you where like I, I kind of understand it a little bit. It's just it still just felt clunky to me, and 
I, it was a very slow pace for the first, specifically like hour and a half. Like I was an hour into the movie and I'm like, all right, I'm like, what, an hour 45 in this? Nope. And sure, like part of it is intentional because this is a long and grueling war, especially for people that were in Europe. So involved longer than the US. Like, yeah. Uh, you know, like I get it. Um, I do, but it, it's 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 why I don't think I could ever give this movie a five stars or probably even a four and a half. It, it's it, it feels even if it is like supposed to be disorienting, like there's a better way to do that than uh, than just make it clunky because it really kept me uninvested as a piece, so. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if it feels clunky to me as much as just like I just didn't like the <laughs> the confusing <laughs> feeling, and I know that's exactly the point, but I I don't know. There's a disconnect somewhere. Um, anything else you want to talk about? Uh, that's all for me. I think. Yeah, me too. I man, I I respect this movie in a lot of ways, so I feel bad saying it's just okay. Um, like I said, I do think a rewatch will help. Um, we I, I, we say this a lot about goats too, uh, or at least I do. Um, about just thinking like maybe now that I've gotten the full picture, or now that we've gotten to talk about it or whatever, that I will wind up liking this movie more. Um, and I think that'll be the case. I have a feeling I'll probably jump to probably four stars at seeing it again. And I do want to see it again, especially again, under better viewing circumstances. Um, I was just watching it incredibly late at night, very tired, paused it halfway through, went to bed and finished it early this morning. So like, I do want to see it under better, better circumstances. I think that will help my viewing again, maybe just knowing a little bit more what this movie actually is and trying to pick up on some of those either intentionally clunky or intentionally distorting or disorienting. Yeah. Disorienting um, stuff. So, um, it's, it's a film I, I respect and I probably will very like, really like, but don't think to love. Um, so, uh, Robert, is this a goat? We typically define this by saying, if you're assembling the Criterion Collection, would you add this? Well, like I was saying, it's difficult for me to be blown away by a war movie. Uh, and it's just a product of the order that I've seen stuff in, you know, mm-hmm. like to me, Full Metal Jacket did the dehumanizing better and uh you know different things did the confusion better and different things did the brutality better um so like i said before we started recording i'm gonna zag and say it's not a goat for me man it's that tough one um i almost want to say like yes out of obligation (laughs) no out of like still respect for what the movie is doing um uh, i'm gonna uh, here's what i'm gonna do I'm going to say a tentative no for now because I'm looking at where I'm ranking this and I am entirely in, in, in categories of no's uh, of, of what we've put this around. Um, I'll pro I will give it with the caveat though, that um, probably like after seeing it a second time, um, I, I would probably do it again, at least for the respect factor of the film. Kind of like we did. It's kind of like I did with good to the bad and the ugly. Like I didn't really like the movie, but I respect a lot of what it did. Right. Um, so I, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say no for now, but probably after a rewatch, I would change my thought on that no. But because I'm looking, um, so the next question is where do you have this ranked? And I'm gonna go ahead and say 32, um, which out of 38 that we've talked about, because I like this more than eight and a half or the birds or Fantasia or Casablanca or Rebel Without a Cause, the thing. But that's about it. Uh, so and all those were no's for me. Uh, and uh, yeah, just under Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Citizen Kane, Good, Bad, and the Ugly. I think I think the only, I think Good, Bad, and the Ugly was the only yes I said to that. So and that feels about right for where I feel with this moment. Yeah, I have it at twenty, which is just beneath M and just above Citizen Kane. 
Yeah. And to be honest, I don't remember which ones I said is a goat and which ones I didn't. So, yeah. Uh, all right. So uh, on next month, uh, we'll be talking about on the waterfront. Uh, we'll have a special guest joining us, a pop ride. So um, on the on the waterfront next month. So if you're following along monthly, that is your assignment on the waterfront for the end of June. And uh, yeah, um, we're going to take some time to <clears throat> to determine what uh, what goats we'll be talking about from July to December uh, as our B plot. So uh, let's let's do that. So. Uh, First things first, um, we were in, supposed to do The Great Escape in March, and then we wound up being very busy and calling an audible, so um, we wound up doing that like March Madness bracket of the goats so far, which was a fun time, um, and I really enjoyed that we did that, but we did already decide that we would do The Great Escape, so we're going to add that in our schedule. Now, we're not going to chart out this, we're going to just get some options there, and then we'll make a Twitter poll, two or three options um, out of a group, and then we'll um robert and i will will decide what months they'll go in based off of our schedules um but the great escape will be a film june to july so we need to pick five other um films or at least five other like brackets and categories so um gosh uh where do you want to start robert what are some things you want to nominate oh also we have halloween and christmas in here and so i think we're going to try to have one that might like emphasize a you know be more of like a horror or a hollow or like some sort of like uh, I guess scary or dark or whatever. We might have that. We might not. Um, I think we decided we might not do Christmas this year just because um, you know, we've already done some. Taking away Christmas. Um. Maybe maybe we'll take a year off of Christmas this year. But um, yeah, where do you want to start? What's one What's one that you want to bring up? Uh, well, I think we both said Harakiri is the highest IMDb movie we haven't seen. No. No. No, because Harakiri is 46. Oh. Uh, I have not seen 44 and 45. Okay, well, it's one of the highest... I have DB movies I haven't seen, and it is the highest. It's the highest letterbox movie I haven't it's seen. It's the highest letterbox movie I haven't seen. Just moving my arms, I knock things over on my desk. That's what that pause was. Um, yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah. So I want to put Harakiri in there because it's number, what, four letterbox? Four letterboxed, uh, 46 IMDb. Um, and I, yeah, it's one that I've wanted to check out as well. Um, and I think it's also interesting, like, this would be another, like, um, another Asian film, uh, another, uh, like it, it's been, I mean, we did seven samurai and Ikiru. Um, have we done any others like if from that part of the world? Um, I don't think so. I, yeah. and I like doing non-American films. Yeah. I like having them in there, you know, it, it, on a regular basis. Yeah, obviously we've done come and see, and we've done M, which is German. Cinema, did Paradiso. Cinema Paradiso, which is Italian. Uh, yeah, I feel like we've done a couple of European. Eight and a half. Eight and a half, right? Yeah. Uh, all right. So I'll. So Harakiri is our first like nomination. We're just gonna lift off, list off some movies that we'd like to put in there, and then we'll see if we can group some together and have them be voted on. So uh, I'm gonna go ahead and throw out Life Is Beautiful because that is my highest that I haven't seen. That's 25. I know I, that's back to Europe, but. Um, I, I, that's the highest IMDb that I haven't seen. Yeah, I that's fine with me. I've seen it. I think it's okay. We'll have some <laughs> we'll have some things to talk about. Yeah. Well, all we're doing is throwing out stuff now. These aren't necessarily going to go into a bracket. Right. But at least we're just getting a short list. So, what else? I really want to watch Lawrence of Arabia. That's like a all-timer that people always talk about that I still haven't seen. Yeah, me too. And uh it's getting a 4K release soon. So. The only thing is it's about 3 weeks long. I know. Um <laughs> So we might want to stay away from doing that. Yeah, I mean, we already have The Great Escape, which is three and a half hours. So True. my my immediate thought is, 
I don't want to do a more than three hour movie more than once every six months. Uh, then how about The Apartment? I just watched that, uh, I don't know, a month or two ago. And I really, really liked it. Um, it's Billy Wilder. We Didn't mm-hmm. we do another Billy Wilder? We did, we oh, did Sunset uh, Boulevard. Sunset Boulevard, yeah. But this one is also really, really good. Well, speaking of Billy Wilder, let me throw out Double Indemnity. Okay, we, we can pit those two together. We Have can? you seen it? No. Yeah. Um, those would be good to put against let, each other then. Let's throw out, um, we have a specific Sif Pop writer recommended, uh, Autumn Sonata. That's right. Sonata. So let's throw that in there. Uh, what else? Um, I put High and Low on here because that's another high letterbox movie that I hadn't seen. I believe that's a European, right? No, it's a Kurosawa. Okay. On, on Letterboxd, it says, with more excitement than even Hitchcock could create. So. All right. Um, I would like to put... Uh, there's two things that I would like to maybe throw out there. Um, one would be if we like some sort of animated, like Studio Ghibli, maybe. Uh, like I have, know there's definitely. When did some Studio Ghibli have, start? Well, I'm looking like my neighbor Totoro is 88. Okay. Uh, I've never seen that one. Um, I don't know when Spirited Away was. I have thoughts on that. <sighs> um, mainly, I don't like it. Uh, <laughs> um, so, like that's one of my thoughts is maybe I'd like to toy with the idea of adding one of those and i'd also like to toy with the idea of um uh doing more uh doing again kind of a like uh buster keaton charlie chaplin era because uh, i liked i mean they're, they're shorter and they are they encapsulate a lot of old school hollywood yeah um so anyway i just just wanted to kind of throw some other things that i wanted to like maybe try to experiment or play around with it, apartment in dublin them to your golden age hollywood but like you know silent film eras um so i haven't added any anything i just said to the list but i just like some ideas of some things if you have anything those categories um no i don't <laughs> i don't i don't know what his best are supposed to be like Char- like chaplin or what's the other guy's name? yeah i mean city Eaton. lights is very highly rated uh or modern times and city lights are both 45 and 51 of all time uh, the great dictator is 62 uh, i think those are all chaplin oh yeah there's high and low um Double Indemnity in the Apartment are 104 and 105. Wow. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, Sherlock Jr. is a big uh, Keaton one, and so is The General. Gold Rush is another Chaplin one. Want to do Sherlock Jr.? I've heard a lot about it, never seen it. Okay. It's rated pretty highly. We could put that up with with uh, The General, which is another Keaton, and we could go Keaton instead of Chaplin this time. All right, well, let's start uh, pairing some of these together. How about Sherlock Jr. and The General paired, The Apartment Double Indemnity paired? You want to pair Harakiri and High and Low, since those are both um western foreign yeah okay that'll be a fun matchup eastern foreign. sorry uh yes eastern uh <laughs> western from us but uh, we are western so <laughs> it, yeah it's still weird to um, me that they call the east and west when it's just a, a sphere a globe yeah um okay so so how many is that uh, that's three matchups and we need uh, five so we, we need five yeah and the so, only two that we have on the list so far that we haven't mentioned are life is beautiful and the autumn sonata um but yeah i mean i feel like those are also both already... european yeah it was uh, no uh, autumn sonata is kurosawa right no it's bergman bergman oh is um, it a english no I, no you're right it's <sighs> yeah um let's take oh autumn sonata's in sweden um so do you want to do halloween and uh oh yeah christmas um i mean we'll see about christmas but yeah let's see if we can find sort of a halloween vibe um looking at rotten tomatoes highest rated films of all time by surprise most of them are recent yeah <sighs> i mean there's from from unbearable waste of massive talent there's the cabinet of dr caligari um i don't 
we could watch it. Uh, it's it's uh, very old, and I've seen it, and it's uh, yeah. We could try if you want. Uh, it's um, just 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 a suggestion. Do we have um, Nosferatu on there? No, I mean we could. Do you want to do that? And Dawn of the Dead, like the oh, original. Actually, uh, George I, Romero. Ooh, it would either be Dawn of the Dead or Night of the Living Dead. I mean, I think both of those would qualify. I have the Night of the Living Dead has a criterion that I have. Them. Well, they're twenty and twenty-one on on uh, IMDb. Are they? Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I've never seen. Actually, them. that's not true. Yeah, I was like, I've not seen them. That's only when I. Oh, it's, this is rating all horror movies. So never mind. They're twenty oh, and twenty-one you're... horror. Got it. Um. But still, man, Night of the Living be... Dead came first. Doesn't matter to me. I. I would say we should go with the older one. Uh, let's pick let's pick night only because yeah. I have it and I know that Dawn of the Dead is a little hard to get. Okay. Um, but it, and I feel like night should be easier to get. Like I said, I know it's a criteria. I think there's also just a standard Blu-ray. All right, so Night of the Living Dead and uh, Nosferatu or Caligari. Let's go with Nosferatu. I know that one's also pretty assuming high. Nosferatu. Right. Yeah, potential you can Christmas one. Rent it and stream it everywhere. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Gremlin. Um, popular. <laughs> I, I mean, I feel like this will also be hard to find ones that we haven't seen. I mean, I know we mentioned um, I've never seen Holiday and Oh, White, White Christmas. Christmas. So I watched half of White Christmas this past Christmas, and I was enjoying it. Uh, but circumstances dictated that we turn it off. So I'd like to finish it. Uh, you said White Christmas? Yes. All right. Yeah, I mean, Holiday Inn would be a one to pair with that. I'm just trying to see if maybe there's something... We already did Miracle on 34th Street. Um, we already did Muppets Christmas Care. This one is saying The Apartment. Are you on Rotten Tomatoes? I'm on Google. Oh, I'm on Rotten Tomatoes and I see it too. Uh, I guess it must take place around Yeah, Christmas. it's not quite a Christmas movie. It does take place around Batman yeah. Returns. Um, what was the first one you said? You said uh, Holiday Inn. Yeah. Bing Crosby, Fred Astaire. Yeah. I was mostly just looking to see if there was any other options. Yeah, I don't know if there's anything else. Yeah, I mean, like obviously... Like it's a wonderful life. Lego Star Wars holiday special. <laughs> the Star Wars holiday special. Uh, <laughs> I've still never it, seen that. Yeah, I don't. Uh, <laughs> Mickey's Christmas Carol. Yeah, I mean it's a, a twenty-six minute short. Okay. Uh, that's. Uh, I mean Christmas Vacation. Did we do that? No. No, we didn't. But have have you seen it? Yeah. Yeah, we've both seen it a bunch of times. Yeah, and we're trying to avoid and trying to stick to things that are older than. I mean, Scrooge. We we threw out at one point. Uh, Let's just do Holiday Inn and White Christmas. Yeah, that feels that feels right. Because it's really getting to the point where any Christmas movie is kind of like a cult favorite Christmas movie or like a new favorite Christmas movie that I haven't seen. Yeah, or there's yeah likelihood that we've both seen them or right uh, or, or there's a lot of these like relatively new ones that are uh, that are highly rated and it's gonna be silly. Um, it's like yeah, it's like saying Harry Potter is a Christmas movie. It has Christmas in it. Right. Uh, Shop around the corner is highly good. Uh, yeah, let's do Holiday Inn, uh, especially because that's like classics, you know. Um, yep. All right, so we are for sure doing um, the Great Escape for one of our months, uh, and then on Twitter, what we're gonna do is uh, this episode goes live on Wednesday, uh, probably let's say Saturday. Um, I'll put up the polls of these on Twitter. Um, so this Saturday, go to the Sif Pop Twitter. I will have it run for, let's say, a week, and uh, uh, and then we'll have these paired off, so that way you can decide on which one you want us to review. Uh, we'll pick the months. I mean, obviously, the 
some the ones that are fitting will be for the fitting holidays. So your Christmas option will be White Christmas or Holiday Inn. You'll have to vote on which one you want us to watch. And then uh, October's episode will be Night of the Living Dead or Nosferatu. Again, you'll have to pick which one you want us to watch. Um, and then the other three months will be uh, Sherlock Jr. versus the Generals, Buster Keaton matchup. Uh, and then we're going with Harakiri and High and Low together. And we'll go with The Apartment and Double Indemnity on there. Uh, I'm pretty I'm pretty happy with that list. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to watch all of these um, and the ones that we mentioned that we uh, did, aren't going to get around to. But uh, yeah, uh, so those will be up on Sif Pop on Saturday. Um, so you can make sure to check that out. Um, and if you're listening to this in the future, you already know which ones we did. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I'll, I'll leave that running for about a week. So if you don't get to these episodes right away, just go check it out. I'll have it as a pinned tweet in the thread. So um, just go check that out. Um, all right. So that means we just have one more thing to do, Robert, and that's the spinoff. What is that oh, one thing Jesus. in any area of pop culture that you are wanting to tell people to check out or to stay away from? Oh, no. Uh, everything that I've watched, I'm doing an A24 podcast uh, tomorrow, actually, with Shane and Foster for my own podcast. Nice. So I've been watching a lot of A24 and like exclusively A24. So I have nothing <laughs> uh, to talk about that I haven't, that I'm not already going to talk about. So let's get into some trouble and say Star Wars prequels. I'm rewatching them before Obi-Wan starts. Uh, no trouble here. I love the prequels. Yeah, I was I was reading. I don't really have anything to say about them, anything new. So we can just chat about them for like two minutes. Uh, for lots of thoughts on us talking about the prequels, go to Robert's first ever podcast episode. I don't know if it was the first ever, but it was very early. It was very early. Me, yeah. me you, and uh, your brother and Ben. And Ben. Um, I was reading some reviews on Letterboxd for Attack of the, Clo- Attack of the Clones because I watched it last night or yesterday. And uh, people were saying they don't, they think that people saying that the prequels are good are only either contrarian takes or Gen Z slash late millennials who grew up with the prequels being blinded by nostalgia. And I wonder how true that actually is because I don't think Attack of the Clones is good, but I think Phantom Menace is okay and Revenge of the Sith is legitimately very good to great. So I just think it's interesting to look back and wonder how much of it is actually nostalgia because I just cannot separate growing up with these movies as much as I want to uh, and be objective. I... Man, um, I think, yeah, the first first Star Wars, the pre- first prequel, Phantom Menace, is okay. Um, it's a good political thriller, but a bad Star Wars. Um, it in Attack of the Clones, I think I like more than most. I, I feel like a- if any other person directed it, it would be a really good movie. But Miller was so insistent in what he was doing, including just keeping clunky dialogue. Miller. And, sorry, not Miller, Lucas. Are you thinking George, George Miller? <laughs> George Miller's Attack of the Clones would be so good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> think about that. Um, but yeah, no, I think Attack of the Clones directed by anybody else would make it a much better movie because you'd have somebody that actually cared about how the dialogue sounds and somebody that could... I know Hayden Christensen can be a good actor, so like, because you know, right. he's better, significantly better in Revenge of the Sith. And Shattered um, Glass is very good too. I don't know if you've yeah, ever yeah. seen that. Uh, clips, but yeah. Um, so he, uh, you know, it, it's it's... Yeah, uh, and Revenge of the Sith is great, so for sure. Yeah, anyway, um, that's the only stuff that I've watched that I'm not going to be talking about. So there's my B plot or spinoff. Uh, 
I have been working uh, a lot recently, um, so I haven't really had time to do much. Uh, so what I am going to recommend is something that I was thinking about pretty much the entirety of uh, before, during, and after watching Come and See, uh, which is um, a BBC three-part miniseries called Gen- Generation War. Uh, this is pretty easy to get your hands on. I think it's on HBO Max. Um, I, 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 when I watched it, I owned it on Vudu. I bought it for like five bucks. It's a three-part, hour and a half each. Uh, but what it is is it starts off uh, with this group. Uh, it's European, by the way, so it is like it, it's a BBC, I believe, but like made in Germany because mm-hmm. um, the people speak German, so they don't speak you know, the keep the Queen's English. Um, so they, uh, it's this group of friends that are at a pub, and then all of a sudden, like the war is going to start, and then all of them get involved in the war at some point, and their paths kind of separate, and at some point intersect, and some friends die, some friends don't, some friends um, have very interesting experiences. Uh, like one of the friends goes to be a nurse, um, and it's in a lot of ways talking about the disparity of war. Um, and especially because they're Germans and they enlist in the German side of the war and um, kind of slowly realizing like, oh, this fight that we've been told about is not the fight at all. And mm-hmm. so it's, uh, you know, a lot of that Jojo Rabbit kind of met, um, a lot of this come and see stuff, but from a German boy's perspective, um, I really like it. It's three parts. It's an hour and a half each. Um, I, I'm not going to really recommend it to you, Robert. I mean, I, I really like it. I would hope you would as well. But if you're already kind of not a big fan of war stuff in general and kind of over this anti-war stuff. Like it's probably not going to break any new ground for you. Um, but if you are into this kind of stuff, listening at home, um, I read like, this is a really good mini series and it's one of the highest rated on IMDb. Uh, so it's, I'm not alone in that feeling. And I know it's relatively popular, um, by a lot of people, but I don't, I don't know um, that I actually know anybody that's ever seen it. So if you've seen it, um, you know, Send me a message. Uh, you'll reply to this episode on Twitter or something. Uh, so, uh, yeah, because I think it's really good. And, um, yeah, that's my spinoff. Well, nice. that's a wrap. Uh, so quick reminder reminder that you can follow guests at, uh, so Robert, at the provided uh, places at the top of the show, Twitter, Rob's Thoughts, uh, underscore Rob's Thoughts. Yes. Uh, I'll also have that in the show description, um, so you can have that in text written out and you can follow me on twitter letterbox it's white castle and uh, also remember that Sif pop writers room is part of the studio dna network and there are other great shows studiodna.media you can also find those by stu- searching studio dna in your podcast player and if you want to write for sifpapa.com or you want to get in contact with us uh, maybe send us a question to explore during the b plot then you can email writers room at sifpop.com and please 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 if you're listening on apple podcasts don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. That's super helpful. Uh, next week, it's a nostalgia week. So uh, Joseph and Chris are on the show, which means we're talking about Highlander and Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Mm-hmm. Um, two two-plus hour movies. I'm <laughs> very excited to <laughs> um, do that. And then next month, as mentioned, uh, Robert and I and a guest will be talking about On the Waterfront. So uh, we'll see you next month. Uh for on the waterfront thanks for stopping by robert i appreciate it uh, wow i just veronica corningstone that thanks for stopping by yeah. <laughs> yeah no but as always uh i really appreciate talking with you and i'm so happy always uh, happy to be on yeah i'm so happy that uh this this beloved movie that i was scared i mean i wasn't scared because i saw your rating on letterbox last night uh, accidentally mm. but um oh I'm, sorry i'm no i'm i'm scared at the it's fine i'm scared at the flack that we might potentially receive uh whatever and uh it's our opinion and uh yes i 
<laughs> I'm just also like I was I, I was more afraid that I was gonna actually like love this movie and then we would just fight or I was gonna hate movie and we'd be like yeah this movie sucks. <laughs> why why does everybody think so highly of this? Movie? I get it. I get why it's highly rated. I mean, second over so overall still seems like a stretch. Like everything overall at once is for sure a better movie. Than, uh, that's just my opinion. So it's just like your opinion, man. <laughs> All right, uh, make sure to come back next week for Highlander and Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, and next month for On the Waterfront. Stay classy, Sif Pop.